I appreciate the one, the one prayer request back there. It was uh, pray that Pastor gets back safely. And I interpreted that to mean pray that Pastor gets back safely and delivers us from this guest preacher. So that's, that, was, that was my take on that. All right, so we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 3. And this psalm has become a blessing to me here just recently. And I have titled this, A Confident Cry for Help. A Confident Cry for Help. And then I added this, it makes it a little too long, but in life's severest crisis. A Confident Cry for Help in life's severest crisis. Now, I, we might be guessing a little bit, but... What do you think was maybe David's greatest crisis? That'd be hard to say, right? Um, okay, running from Saul. Okay, um, Absalom. You know, David had a lot of crises. We tend to think of David; he had all these promises, and um, but he had a lot of crises. In fact, if you read through the Psalms and you look at the at the Psalm titles, the superscriptions where they give you little little uh, tidbits, that's not the right word, but they give you little insights into what the background of the Psalm was, a number of these will be from David and they'll talk about some kind of crisis. I'll just read you some of these, like Psalm 7, um, which he sang to Yahweh concerning the words of Cush of Benjamite. David was from Judah, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, and even after Saul, David had ongoing trouble with the Benjaminite tribe because of the allegiance to Saul. Um, Here's another one, I'll just read you some of these to give an idea of these different um, trials. Um, Here's Psalm 18, that he spoke this, this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he has that, that um, psalm. Um, here's another one, Psalm 34. There's another one here. Um, when he, so Psalm 34 of David. When he feigned madness before Abimelech so that he drove him away and he departed. You talk about a crisis. Do you remember this in the Bible where... So David is running from King Saul and he runs to the city of Gath where there's a king Abimelech and he runs there for safety. However, Gath is the city where Goliath was from. <laughs> and David had, you know, liquidated Goliath years earlier. And uh, so here David runs to the city where Goliath is from and Abimelech goes, hey, wait, isn't this the guy that they said... Uh, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands? And David gets word of this. He's like, oh, I'm in big trouble. So that's when he started pretending he was insane. He lets, you know, he lets saliva run down his beard, you know, and Abimelech says, you know, do I need any more madman? Get this guy out of here. And after that, that, this is when David wrote Psalm 34. So I mean, David had a lot of crises, right? But look, look at the top of Psalm 3. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm guessing... But a little, but I'm guessing 
This may have been David's greatest crisis. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty bad to be on the run from King Saul. But it's bad when you're on the run from your own son, that your own son is trying to kill you. And that's when David wrote this psalm. So this psalm is going to give us some help in how to cry for help in some of life's severest crises. If I say severest crisis, does anything come to your mind? Maybe as a personal, as a just personal. Maybe there's a specific event or situation or circumstance and it just comes to your mind uh, immediately. And the Psalms are helpful because they do help us know how to verbalize our emotion. Uh, Somebody has said most of Scripture speaks to us the Psalms speak for us. You think about most scripture, it's you know God speaking to you. The Psalms, many of them are the words of people and they are speaking to God and they help us speak. They speak for us. So what do we find in this, in this Psalm? A, cry, a confident cry for help. Let me just read this and then we'll look at some of the particulars here. So verse 1, O Yahweh, how my adversaries have become many. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. (coughs) But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who all around have set themselves against me. Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheek, You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing is upon your people. So what we have in this psalm is we've got the opening three verses. And here we have his opening cry to the Lord. His opening cry. And I've put these three verses together because you can see in these three verses, he is, this is second person, uh, or it's directed to the Lord, O Yahweh, uh, verse 3, but you, O Yahweh. So he's, 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 uh, he is talking directly to the Lord. Verse 4, I was calling to the Lord. Verse 5, I awoke for the Lord sustains me. So there's a shift in verse 4. But in verses 1 through 3, he's talking right to the Lord. This is his opening cry to the Lord. And what we see in these three verses is, is it's, they're full of his, his cry for help, his opening cry, are full of his enemies. Did you notice the word many? Many, many, many. Um, this is the legacy standard Bible. This is kind of an update of the New American Standard 
version that's still in process. But I like the way they did this because verse 1, um, uh, King James is, how are they increased who trouble me? But the, the verb there really is related to the word many that you see in verse 1b and verse 2. It really is many three times. My adversaries have become many. <laughs> many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul. I mean, many, many, many. His opening cry is full of his enemies. But his opening cry is also full of his, of his God. And you can see this in verse 3, but you, and there's a little emphasis in the original, you, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory, in other words, the one who, who protects my honor is the idea. The one, the one who is the shield of my reputation and the one who lifts up my head. Could be the idea of is being restored to his position. And in this opening cry to the Lord, it's almost like he's looking, if you kind of picture somebody sitting in a car, it's like he's looking through the windshield and he's surrounded by enemies. But in the rearview mirror, he remembers all that his God was. That his God is a shield. His God is his glory, the protector of his honor, his God is the one who lifts up his his head, and he he knows the God. He remembers. He's thinking. He's crying out to the God who has always been his. Verses one to three. Verses four to six are more of a personal testimony. So you have this opening cry to the Lord. Verses four to six are more of a personal testimony. In fact, it's a little bit unclear how to translate some of these verbs. Okay, the Hebrew is kind of challenging sometimes in this regard. But is it just a simple past? I called, he answered, I laid down, I slept, I awoke. Is it more of a kind of a general practice? I called to the Lord and he hears me. I lie down and I sleep, I awake. But what's clear, whatever the case, is that this is his personal testimony Or in verse 4, his intense cry is heard. I was calling to the Lord with my voice. Kind of interesting because, you know, how else would you cry? (laughs) How do you you cry? And there's there's some deliberate redundancy to emphasize this this is a vocal outburst. This is the kind of cry that escapes your, you know, it, it comes comes rushing out of your heart and out of your mouth in an outspoken, verbalized cry. I was calling to Yahweh, with, to the Lord with my voice. He answered me from his holy mountain. By the way, that's the same holy mountain in Psalm 2 where the Lord says, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And that holy hill is not just a place of future importance. It is a place of present concern. It's God has God heard me from his holy hill. His intense cry is heard. Verse 5, his sleep restored. His sleep is restored. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. And I may be importing a little bit here, but I think the idea is some 
some restlessness that would have kept him from sleep until he made his cry out to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord, the Lord heard him, and that resulted in helping him sleep. We've got a good spread of ages here in this room. And we've got the younger bracket here. And probably none of them have ever struggled falling to sleep because of some kind of massive pressure or trial. I'm just guessing. But those of you that are, you know, maybe 50 plus, which includes me, um, you know what it is to not be able to sleep because of something that's bothering you. And you may be dead tired physically, but you lie down and your spirit, the anguish or the turmoil or the hurt is such that you just, you can't sleep. And I think that's when, you know, people in our, excuse me, younger people, but in our age bracket, we appreciate this. At times when the angst and the pain is so bad or the anxiety and we cry out and the Lord hears and we're able to go to sleep and awake because the Lord sustains us. So his intense cry is heard, verse 4, his sleep restored and verse 6, his fear removed. His fear removed. Uh, I'll not be afraid of ten thousands of people. You see that word ten thousands? That's actually related to the word many. That's back in verse 1 and 2. So his enemies are increasing. They're many. They become many. Many are rising up. Many are saying of my soul. And verse 6 is related to that word many. I will not be afraid of ten thousands. Many of many of many of people who are all around have set themselves against me. I'm not going to be afraid of any of them. This is personal testimony of a man, here is a severe crisis, and his personal testimony is, I cried, and I cried with my voice. I mean, this was an outburst, and the Lord heard me, and I slept, and my fear was taken away. Reminds me of Psalm 34, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him saved him from all his fears. We all know what it is to have fears and anxieties. Verses 7 to 8 is where you have his petition for help. You know, to this point, he really hasn't asked the Lord for anything, if you think about it. There hasn't been any petition yet. He's just, he had an opening cry to the Lord where he poured out to the Lord his anxiety, his problem. And then he's got personal testimony of what what the Lord has done, but there really hasn't been a petition yet. So here's the petition, verse 7, and we'll put these two verses together, verses 7 and 8, petition. This is his petition for help. And he has two petitions there in verse 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, Oh my God. little something here that's, that's interesting. You see the word arise in verse 7? Do you see the word in verse 1? I don't know exactly your translation, but many are rising. Many are they that rise up against me. See the ri- word rise there? That's the same word in the original. 
So he is asking God to do what his enemies have already done. <laughs> many, many are they that rise up against me, so they've already risen up. Now, Lord, you arise. And he's asking the Lord to do what his enemies have already done. And his next petition, save me, oh my God, that is the same root family, Hebrew root word family, as the word, I don't know how it's translated in your, in your version, but back in verse 2, either help or salvation. There is no help for him in God, or there is no salvation for him in God. Or maybe you might have, there is no deliverance for him in God. Okay, whatever your English translation, the word help or salvation in verse 2 is the, is the noun form of the verb in verse 7, save me. This is pretty neat. This is one of the commentaries I was reading was was bringing this out. So, you know, arise, O Lord. He's asking God to do what his enemies have already done. Save me, O my God. He's asking God to do what his enemies said God would not do. (laughs) Because his enemies were saying, there's no help for you and God. God's done with you. I mean, think of David running from Absalom. So here comes his son. Rather than fight his own son, David just runs. And David hears even that Ahithophel, who is the most highly esteemed counselor in the kingdom, Ahithophel had joined the ranks of Absalom. And David's prayer when he hears that is, Lord, turn the counsel of of Ahithophel. Because he knows he's done. I mean, if, if Ahithophel gives advice and they follow Ahithophel's advice, David is done. And you get that in the story because, man, I don't know if you remember all the details, but you know, there's a, there's other guy, Hushai, and he pretends to be on Absalom's side. And Ahithophel gives his advice, which actually was good advice. And Hushai gives advice that he makes sound good. And Absalom follows Hushai. And Ahithophel, when they follow Hushai's advice, Ahithophel goes home, he gets his house in order, makes his final will and testament, and he kills himself. Because he knows, for his advice not to be followed, it's over. And that's the high esteem of which Ahithophel was held. This is the situation of David, and here are these enemies, they're saying there's no help for you and God. Think of that Benjamite who threw stones at David as he left Jerusalem. Of course, we know the rest of the story. You know, David gets restored. David doesn't know that right then. And so he asked God to do what the enemies said God wouldn't do for him. And he makes these petitions and he does this out of, out of confidence. Remember, I, I titled this a confident cry for help. There's all through this, there's, there's angst, there's anxiety, there's pain, there's uncertainty, but there's no uncertainty when it comes to his God. And he's got some assurance, some confidence to make this petition. Verse 7, you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. And again, it's a little hard to know how to translate this. Some of you may have, um, you have struck or something like that. Some may have, you will strike. Some may have, you strike my enemies on the cheek. Like this is just a, a blanket statement. Somebody put it this way. The, this is from the Net Bible. They said, this is uh, God's characteristic behavior. 
This is what God characteristically does for his people. He's the protector of his people. And verse 8, God is the source of deliverance and blessing. He's confident of that. He knows salvation belongs to his God. God is the owner. He's the practitioner of salvation or deliverance. By the way, you see that word salvation? That's the same word translated either help or salvation in verse 2. And the same word uh, related, it's the verb in verse 7, but it's the related word save in verse 7. It's three times in this psalm. His enemies say, there's no salvation for you. And David petitions, Lord, save me. And then he says in verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to enemies. It doesn't belong to the political powers that be. Doesn't doesn't belong to family members. Doesn't belong to my mighty men. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's in His hands. I'm putting myself at His disposal. God's blessing is upon His people. This is the kind of confidence with with which He prays. So, what can we what can we what what can be some takeaways? I mean, here's here's a confident cry for help in life's severest crisis. How can this help us cry? How can this help us pray in a time of crisis? Okay, just practically. I would say, number one, identify your specific anxieties. You ever just kind of, you just feel overwhelmed, but you're not really sure exactly why (laughs) you just feel overwhelmed? Okay. Sometimes it helps to identify, I mean, think through what is your specific anxiety? Okay, here's David. Lord, how many are they <laughs> that trouble me? How many are they that rise up against me? How many are they that say there's no help? That's his anxiety is all these enemies and they're increasing. So I identify, I mean, identify your specific anxieties. What are they? Get them out there. And this is related, but number two, be cry out to God about those anxieties. Tell God those anxieties. So identify them. Okay, try to figure out, okay, you got this you know, muddled brain of emotional uh, stress. Okay, what are those anxieties? Identify them. Cry out to, tell God those anxieties. Number three, formulate specific petitions about those anxieties. Okay, what do you want God to do? Okay, so identify those, those, you know, identify your specific anxieties. Talk to, you know, tell God those anxieties. Okay, formulate specific petitions about those anxieties. What do you want God to do with those? I think sometimes we fail in telling God our anxieties. Sometimes we fail to formulate specific petitions about those anxieties. We want to do both. So in the midst of those anxieties, what do you want God to do? There's David. Arise! My enemies are rising. Lord, you rise. Save me. My enemies say there's no salvation for you. Lord, save me. Try to to formulate what is your specific petition that you want God to do. And number four, confess God's characteristic behavior. And I'm borrowing that from the Net Bible Notes. Confess God's characteristic behavior in the midst of your anxieties. 
Okay, so the future's a little uncertain. There's a fog. There's distress. There's pain. Okay, but but there's God. So your enemies are many, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up on my head. There's God. Like it was Bob Jones Sr., you and God make a majority. If you've got God, you're set even if you have 10,000 enemies round about you. You've got God. And in the midst of your anxiety, confess God's characteristic behavior. Lord, you are my shield. I look in the rear view of life, you're my shield. I look in the rear view of life, Lord, you're my shepherd. You have led me all the way. I have no idea what the future holds, but you've led me to this point. Lord, you're my glory. You're the one that holds my reputation and my honor. You're my vindicator. Lord, you're the lifter up on my head. I, don't, I can't lift myself up. Lord, you're, that's your business. Confess God's characteristic behavior in the midst of your anxieties. One of my colleagues in the Philippines, he is now a missionary in Vietnam, Brother Steve Lawhoff, but um, he used to remember him and he would speak in our, our college chapel in the Philippines and he, he would say to the students, he'd say, okay, he'd say, here's what you do. You got a bunch of worries? So here's what you do. So take out a sheet of paper, and on the top of your sheet of paper, write down worry list. And so then just, just write down all your worries. Make sure you get them all. You know, number one, two, number 117. You know, make sure you write them all down. So then cross out the word worry list, and above the word worry, write prayer list. And so, so now that you just got a prayer list, and you start praying through all the worries you just enumerated. And he would say, and after a few months, you're gonna, you'll cross out the word prayer and you write the word praise above it because your worry list that was your prayer list has become your praise list. That's good advice. Father, help us as we go to prayer and as we go through life. And life does have trouble. And you yourself have said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of them all. We will be delivered out of them all, whether in this life or the next. And Lord, help us to know how to pray in times of intense crisis. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, to... What an encouragement here as we go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we will do just that. We've got uh, several minutes to do that, and um, we'll start here, and uh, you know, I would wonder if um, with these requests, if uh, Dr. Barry, if you would actually start, and then um, just take a couple minutes to pray for some of these requests that we have, um, and then... Go through, and I will then, at the proper time, stand up and close us in a word of prayer. So, let's start. Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to gather like this and to meet with fellow believers and just to sense a, a spiritual camaraderie and to feel, almost tangibly feel the bond 
and the love that we all share in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful that we can come together like this, out of the world, out of the workplace, and have a little time like this. And Father, we do come to you. We, we have petitions. Lord, we are asking that you would give Pastor Jones and his wife, Farah, that you would give them a very physically and spiritually refreshing time. That you would grant during these days away that his soul would be nourished in his personal relationship with you. And that you would um, cause grace and peace and mercy to be abundantly supplied to them. Give them safety, Lord, as was asked for in their in their travels. Father, we we thank you for the children in here and the privilege for them to, to study and even to be in homeschool and in a in an environment that is deliberately chosen to try to reflect you, they can learn. And we pray that you would help them as the year progresses or help them to be growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you and in favor with men. And Father, I lift up this man, Michael. Thank you for what you're doing in this life. Lord, would you continue that kind of hunger for your word? Lord, teach him and grow him. Help him to grow in the grace and knowledge of your son. And then, Lord, I would like to pray for Sister, Sister Alfreda and this biopsy. And then you would grant wisdom and clarity and care in whatever is involved with this. And that you would see her through this time and be gracious. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we continue on prayer. We do thank you that we can come to you, that you are the Lord our God. And we can come to you and bring all of our needs and our requests. And Lord, we just thank you how you've reminded us that you are our shield, our protector. And you the lift up of our head. Mm. And what you you love us underneath our your everlasting arms. And you love us with an everlasting love. And we just thank you. We thank you for helping Tim 
um, the homeless man, have some respite and some help. Well, as we've been following him for over two years now. Um, thank you, how you're working in his life. Thank you for Susanna getting more established, for excitement. Um, hope we just rejoice with this time of her life. Um, but we thank you that Grace is enjoying school and that you're undertaking for Rachel on a job. And Lord, we do thank you for our children and for the request that Jesus was born. Lord, he has come now, the light of the world. We just thank you for that. And Lord, we do um, want to commit some other requests to you. Um, we pray for some oil and ask you that 